Hello, everybody, and welcome to the special edition of the Toogies Take Podcast. Toog on Tour edition. As for those of you that listen to our show on Tuesday, you will know that as you are listening to this right now, I'm on vacation. I am on uh, a road trip throughout the mid-Atlantic and southeastern U.S. states just driving to wherever my girlfriend and I's heart's desire. Right now, as this is posted, I am probably somewhere in like New York State or Pennsylvania. Who knows? Or maybe I'm dead. And if that's the case, then hey. I loved you guys. Is that a bit too morbid? Maybe it's a bit too morbid. Uh, on today's show, obviously, I cannot talk about current events within the hockey world, but I feel like I can at least kind of rant and rave about the teams that did not make the NHL playoffs, because obviously, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the teams that do once the show resumes, I believe, on April 26th. April 26th. That's a beautiful, beautiful day. So, Today, we are going to talk about the four teams in the Metropolitan Division that did not make the playoffs and kind of give a postmortem on the season, the outlook moving forward, so on and so forth. So hopefully you enjoy the show. I do want to mention two quick things before we get into this. First and foremost, of course, as always, the show is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Again, you can use code Toogie at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping when you use the code Toogie at checkout. Again, Manscaped has all of your needs. I could sit here and go through the diatribe, but i got to be honest, I'm short on time, so I won't. But a big thank you to Manscaped. And as well, on Tuesday's show, Endo and I... I uh, forgot to cover something that we really wanted to cover, and it was kind of the continuation of what is happening right now in women's hockey, or should I say, what isn't happening? Because it was uh, it was very unfortunate news over the weekend, and I believe it was uh, primarily Haley Salvian who ended up covering this. But she had mentioned the story uh, that the PWHPA, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, that their board had voted unanimously to end any further discussions about collaborating with the PHF. Uh, This comes less than a month after a meeting between the two sides in the NHL last month. Uh, There was an article on The Athletic that I highly recommend that you read. Bottom line is... um, Man, this is this is incredibly frustrating. This is incredibly concerning. You know, we've covered the uh, the PHF and, and women's hockey to the best of our ability uh, throughout the history of this show because it is a obviously it, it's hockey. Hockey is a sport that I care about. I care about the growth of the game in every single way possible uh, in the women's game. Uh, is obviously something that I think we all kind of look at as not being where it should be. It is a game, a product in a sense, that has so much potential, and the feeling is, of course, that it has been squandered for the, I mean, the past decade or so. Obviously, we had the NWHL and the WNHL, and then one league goes under, and then the league that's still here changes their name to the PHF, but they don't have all the best players because there's conflict in disagreement in how to best move the women's game forward. So, 
All I can do is, is shout out that article and just hope, just hope that eventually, eventually we can sit here and talk about the women's league, the number one undisputed women's league, all of the best players in the world in the same league, because right now, pretty much the only time that we get that is every four years during the Olympics, and that is a, a damn shame. That is a damn shame. So again, a, a shout out to Haley Salvian, who you can find on Twitter, of course, at Haley underscore Salvian. And uh, yeah, hey, just <sighs> support women's hockey, and hopefully eventually this gets to where we want it to be. Now, I did mention that we were going to talk about the Metropolitan Division today, uh, and let's start off by talking about the team who, at the time of recording this, are at the bottom of said division. That would be the New Jersey Devils, and obviously this has not been a season for them uh, that they uh, that they were hoping to see. Like This has been a pretty uh, rough year, pun intended, with Lindy Ruff being their head coach. You know, you head into this year, uh, you bring in Thomas Tatar, who has... I don't want to say a complicated reputation, but I still view him as one of the more underappreciated players in the league. Uh, You have guys like Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes. You add on defense by bringing in in Dungie Hamilton. And, of course, in goal, you you also have Jonathan Bernier joining the team to kind of back up Mackenzie Blackwood or at least be a tandem there. And nothing's worked. Nothing has worked. Right now, again, at the time of recording, uh, they have 25 wins through 72 games. uh, The second worst goal differential in the division. And really, you know, you look to this year and it's just been unfortunate injuries. You know, injuries to Jack Hughes, injuries to Dougie Hamilton. And I know Devils fans are getting impatient. And perhaps, perhaps rightfully so. You know, this has been a rough stretch. You know, me growing up as a a hockey fan, obviously, I got to experience, you know, in my early years of fandom, a lot of dominance by the New Jersey Devils. Uh, You know, obviously, you're talking about the the late 90s, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a child, uh, but... You know, I am old enough to remember the, the 99-2000 season vaguely. I mean, I was six years old when the when the Devils won that cup over Dallas. And then, obviously, they go back to the cup final the next year against Colorado. Then they win in 2003. And for the most part, they were consistently making the playoffs uh, up until 2010. They missed in 2011. Then they go to the cup final the next year against the LA Kings, where, of course, they lose... And that was a decade ago. They have one playoff appearance since the 2011-2012 season. That was a first-round loss in five games to the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2017-18. I can understand Devils fans being disappointed, being frustrated. At the same time, I do think they're on probably a better path than they've been on pretty much at any point in the last decade. Nico Heischer has 54 points in 63 games at the time of recording this. Nico Heischer's phenomenal. He might not be the guy like you think Jack Hughes will be, and rightfully so. Jack Hughes is also incredible. But man, a one-two punch. Like, Nico Heischer, it is okay that he is essentially the David Krejci to Jack Hughes' Patrice Bergeron. 
That is an incredible one-two punch down the middle. Granted, Jack Hughes still kind of sucks at face-offs. I'm surprised they haven't tried to move him to the wing. I think he's still at like 35-ish percent, maybe even lower in his career so far. It's pretty rough. Uh, maybe bring on Dave Steckel or someone like that to get him to freaking win face-off. Sign Yannick Perot as a coach. Get him to uh, teach Jack Hughes the way is. But, you know, they have this young core. I didn't mention Dawson Mercer. Uh, we saw Jesper Bratt. He's a point per game right now at the time of recording. They have some decent pieces. Obviously, the big thing here, I think, is defensively, you're going to be looking at the departure of P.K. Subban. That frees up $9 million worth of cap space. That is fantastic. And I certainly see them weaponizing it this offseason. Again, injuries have been brutal. Unfortunately, their goaltending, even when healthy, was brutal. They are still a few years away from being a perennial playoff team. At the same time, they have every single draft pick of theirs through the next three years, with the exception of this year's fifth-round pick, but they have three fourth-round picks to make up for it. They are in a good spot. And in terms of who they you know, have coming up through the system, again, guys that they already have signed. Of course, Alex Holtz is going to be a part of the, uh, the Utica Devils uh, AHL playoff run, hopefully, because they just clinched a playoff spot. Say what you want about Chase Stillman maybe being a bit concerning. He's in the mix. Nolan Foote. Is still just 21 years old. Defensively, Shakir Mukamadulin, Nikita Hotyuk. I I don't hate this. I don't hate this at all. And again, those are guys who are already under contract. I mean, in terms of the uh, reserve list as well, Luke Hughes has yet to be signed. He is obviously the biggest name there, and there's still uh, some debate as to whether or not he will sign this year or not. So I think the future's bright for New Jersey. There's no denying this was a disappointing season. I understand Devils fans' concerns. Unfortunately, and it's not the answer that you want to hear, I think you got to be a little bit more patient. And who knows? Maybe one big signing could turn things around. You know, I look to the Devils kind of like I'm looking at the Sabres. That being that the Buffalo Sabres, six months ago, were viewed, maybe even a little bit longer, but basically six months ago, the Sabres are viewed as a tire fire. You got the entire Jack Eichel thing going on. Oh my God, what are they going to do? They get rid of Jack Eichel, but they get a return that's working for them. And honestly, I view this the same way I viewed the Mark Bergevin time in Montreal, where, you know, Mark Bergevin got a great return for Max Pacioretty, got a good return for this guy, good return for that guy. I still think they could have, you know, added to the core instead of stripping down away from the core. And had won. There's no denying, though, that there was a good return. For the Devils, granted, you don't really have that one piece to kind of turn things down. But what I'm saying is the optimism should hopefully be higher than it was six months ago. At least in the Sabres case. In the Devils case, you might say, no, it's definitely not. But also six months ago, I think you still probably had some questions about Jack Hughes. I don't think you do anymore. I don't think anybody does. I think everyone knows he is a legitimate number one center. And, you know, God willing, he stays healthy. Um, you know, I'm definitely not someone that you know, roots for stars to be injured. And make no mistake, Jack Hughes is a star in this league. So, I, I think, again, a little bit more patience for Devils fans and you'll be all right. And then you get to the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers fans, I don't know what to tell you. 
I shudder to think that Mikey O will be your head coach beyond this year. I shudder to think that Chuck Fletcher will still be the GM of this team. I view this club as being completely boned in the short term. Um, you know, this year they're without their second, they're without their second next year. Obviously, they have a first in 2024, thanks to Florida. Um, you know, they could even go back to 2025, I believe. You trade Claude Giroux. You're still stuck with Kevin Hayes for four more years. They re-signed Rasmus Ristolainen. I do not know what to make of this team because I don't see a direction. You know, I look at this team on paper, at least I did two years ago, last year at the start of the year, and I say, okay, you might be able to do something here. It's just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work is the only way to put it. Now, this is another team that out of nowhere, hey, maybe they do kind of turn it around here. But I am essentially at this point just at a loss for what this team is. I don't understand at this stage. It's a coaching issue. It's a GM issue. I'd argue it's an ownership issue, not putting the right people in charge to put the right people in charge. It's it's a disaster. I'm not telling Flyers fans anything they don't already know. I'm intrigued to see if they chip away any more pieces in the offseason. But I look to this year and I'm like, how do I sum up this season? You traded Claude Giroux, and you pissed off a lot of old hockey men by starting uh, Ronnie Adderd instead of uh, instead of sticking with Keith Yandel. What else has been notable about this Flyers season? From an outside perspective, Flyers fans, that's all I got. Uh, you know, for those who get to watch every single Flyers game, bless your souls. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what your takeaway is from this season. And I hate to say it, but from the outside perspective, yeah, I, I don't see how this gets better anytime soon. Like, I don't... What What is, what is the plan? What is the plan? Because right now your top two centers are Kevin Hayes and Scott Lawton. Scott, you know, If you bump those guys down and Kevin Hayes is your second-line center, Scott Lawton your third, or vice versa, hey, that's not that bad. you got some decent center depth. Like, is Morgan Frost the answer down the middle? I mean, you know, Sean Couturier's there, but man, he's only played 29 games this year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, this is a guy who's 29 now, and yeah, he only played 45 games last year, has only played 82 games once. Uh, excuse me, three times. Uh, he did it in 13, 14, 14, 15, and 17, 18. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, and I'll stop twisting the knife, but, you know, they do have some draft picks again missing those seconds hurt re-signing Ristolainen hurts and I'm sorry anybody can be like well he's big and he hits and he blocks shots so we'll always have a spot sure you don't pay that five million bucks you can talk to me about the eye test all you want uh I there there is not a pair of eyes in the world that I trust that says Rasmus Ristolainen is worth five million or 5.1 to be exact uh per season yeah, no, I know. I do. I trust your judgment. If you think the eye test is a uh, is a valid option, but yeah, even looking at who they have in the system, the likes of uh, likes of Jay O'Brien, who's yet to be signed as a former first round pick. You have 
I mean, like Tyson Forster, who's only 20. I just, I just don't see how this gets better. Columbus Blue Jackets. I want to talk about them here really quickly as well. Currently on 74 points through 73 games. So again, like you had the Devils and Flyers who are down. Then the Blue Jackets and Islanders aren't abysmal, but they are significantly far behind Washington in terms of the top four in the division. Obviously for the Blue Jackets, I don't think this year has been too brutal. I mean, they have that first round pick from Chicago. And Chicago wins one of the draft lotteries. The pick, if the pick's in the top two, basically they get Chicago's pick next year. So, you know, we'll see what happens. They have a first round pick coming from Chicago, thanks to Seth Jones. And then you look at the rest of the team, and I mean, I don't think it's that bad. Like, they just signed Kent Johnson. He's going to work out, I presume, really well. They already have Cole Sillinger in the lineup. Um, yeah, I, I look at just some of the young talent that they have. It looks like Patrick Line wants to stick around, and he's over a point per game this season, 51 and 50. Uh, and again, Patrick Line is just 23 years old. Like, obviously, a lot of the talk in regard to Patrick Line is like, oh, well, look at how good Austin Matthews is. Patrick Line is still really good. He is. Uh, you know, I look at the rest of the team. Like, Jake Voracek has been a pretty good pickup. You know, you, you, you move Voracek for, you know, you get him for Atkinson. It's like, is that really the right move? But, yeah, Voracek's been pretty good. Five goals and 44 assists, by the way. Oliver Bjorkstrand's a 50-point guy, and they have him locked up long-term. Zach Wierenski's still great. Uh, Shout-out to someone like Gavrikov, who has 30 points this year as a defenseman. It's pretty nice. And then, obviously, you know, you kind of get to some of the issues, like their... Uh, the 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 Jonas Corposalo experiment is probably over. 877 save percentage in 22 games. Granted, Elvis Merzlikens has a 902. So they have some obvious problems to kind of carve out here. But I think they already have a decent kind of core to build around. I think they have a pretty solid team identity of just, hey, we're, we're hardworking. And honestly, that can bring you pretty far at the end of the day. And the thing is, you know, for some people, you lose Seth Jones. Like, okay, you're screwed anyway. So a lot of people might not even have hopes and expectations that this team uh, will go uh, that far anytime soon. I don't know if I'd consider them a playoff team anytime soon. But, uh, you know, you compare them. They're more of a New Jersey than they are a Philadelphia. And I think that's promising. And again, I only say that because I have... Uh, more faith in the leadership of New Jersey and Columbus than I do Philly. I'm not saying Philly doesn't have talent, but uh, Philly is also a minus 75 in terms of goal differential right now. The only teams worse than that, Montreal and Arizona. That is how bad it has been in Philly this year. So Columbus, again, may be disappointing to not make the playoffs. They're not totally screwed moving forward. And then you got the other team, the last team that we're going to talk about here today. And that is the New York Islanders. I don't know what to make of them either. Has Barry Trotz overstayed his welcome? Is Lou Lamorello committing too much in one direction? You know, this is the team that has done very well in the playoffs as of late. They will not make it this year. They are set up well. They have uh, first all of their first and seconds, essentially, for the next two years. Granted, it's Colorado's second, not their own. I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what to make of this team because, obviously, they have thrived, in a sense, 
on the Barry Trotz defense first system. At the same time, Cap Friendly has Matt Barzell on the third line at the time of recording this, which is 48 points in 62 games. I I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I'm not saying they don't have decent center depth with like Pajo and Nelson, but at the same time, you know, are you getting the most out of a Matt Barzell? Would it not make sense? I mean, you could argue they'd get raked over the coals for this. Does it not make sense to move on from a Matt Barzell to get someone else who better fits your system? You know, you can talk about some of the moves that they've made, and I, I think certainly I look towards, uh, well, I won't twist the knife for Islanders fans, a certain defenseman who was traded to Colorado. <laughs> you know, the decision to move on from him. Um, you know, I love Zdeno Chara, but, you know, good, I guess, in a sense, guy for Noah Dobson to work with this season, but at the same time, we know Zdeno Chara is not what he used to be. I mean, for God's sakes, he's 45 years old. It's insanity. They have a great goaltender in Ilya Sorokin. It's just for whatever reason, their typical style and strategy, I guess, just didn't work. So it makes me wonder if they stay the course this year and just be like, ah, well, it'll work next year. It'll be better next year. Because you can look at this season and say, hey, we started the game with like 17,000 road games because our stadium wasn't ready. And did that just get them off to too rough of a start? So I view the Islanders as probably the most interesting team to watch out of the four that was mentioned uh, you know, here today uh, to watch in this offseason. Because I think Columbus and New Jersey just stay the course. You're doing well. Philly... I just I don't find them interesting to watch because I don't find tire fires interesting to watch. But I think the Islanders are in an interesting point where you can shake it up or you can stay the course. And I don't know what the outcome is regardless of what direction you go. <laughs> so I, I'm intrigued. I'm also very surprised. But at the end of the day, we knew in terms of talking about a division like this that you're talking about eight teams in the Metro. I think every single team and every single fan base had the hope of playoffs. And that was never going to happen, obviously. You might get four, you might get five. Hell, you're lucky, in a sense, to... uh, Or maybe not lucky, in a sense, to get four. But, you know, we'll talk about the Atlantic next week. Montreal, not expected to be this bad. Detroit, Ottawa, they had some hopes heading into the season, too. So... All in all, to wrap this up, New Jersey, rough season, disappointing season, stay the course. Columbus, same thing. And I think both teams will end up with cap space to kind of work with as well. Philadelphia, and specifically Flyers fans, good luck. That's all I got for you. Good luck. Um, you know, I, I have nothing against Flyers fans at this stage. I, I don't see how it gets better for you. And then for the New York Islanders, I just don't know. I just don't know. That's it. I'm very intrigued by your team. I will say that. Especially, uh, you know, I I look at it and I say the idea of like, oh, are they staying the course? Like, defensively, in terms of goals against, they've allowed the fourth fewest goals against. That defensive strategy is still working. You know, there is not another team in the bottom eight in terms of fewest goals against allowed that isn't in the playoffs. The Islanders are the only ones. It's crazy. But for goals four, they are also 
in the bottom seven. One of just eight teams to score less than 200 goals. They are in a class with Arizona, San Jose, Seattle, Philly, Chicago, Montreal, and Ottawa. Buffalo has more goals this year than the New York Islanders. Anaheim, skilling it up all the time. Uh, the, the Dallas Stars and the LA Kings have significantly more goals. New Jersey has significantly more goals. Uh, hell, I mean, you, you look even further. Nashville has 236 goals compared to the Islanders' 195. You know, if you're not going to score goals, then do you just fully commit to this strategy? Because, you again, I, I can't help it. I view this as the Matt Barzell season where it's like, what are you going to do with this guy? Are you going to move on from him or not? Because playing him on the third line, that's not it, Chief. That's not. You need to put that guy on the ice a ton. He's averaging 17 minutes a night. Basically, every single, uh, you know, Nelson, Pajo, and Barzell are all averaging 17 minutes a night. I think you got to give Barzell at least 20. Like, if Matt Barzell is on the, the Buffalo Sabres, the Ottawa Senators, a team that can just say, okay, go out there and go, he's going to have more than 48 points. So I'm very, very intrigued. Uh, by uh, really all four of these teams, but the Islanders especially. With that, at the uh, risk of of avoiding rambling, we will call it an episode. So again, you will have a couple more of these abbreviated episodes as we will do uh, while I am on vacation. I thank you very much for listening. Again, check out Manscaped if you haven't already. And I will see you guys in the next one. Goodbye.